0: This podcast never has like words of the day or word of the episode until today, until this episode. It might be a trend. It may not. There may be a hashtag. There may not. It is organoleptic. Hey there, and welcome to Grit, True Stories That Matter. Grit is a weekly podcast about stories, the contemporary, personal narrative kind of story and the people that craft and tell them. Why, you ask? Well, we want to feature these tellers and their stories, and also to help you, our listeners, craft and tell better, more engaging, more relatable, and more memorable stories. True Stories personal stories. Grit stories. We are in the middle of season number three, dedicated to the best of and grit talks, and today we have got another conversation with the swap shop the group that meets every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern. And yes, you can join us. Today's conversation is about finding, mining, selecting stories in the process that they go through to figure out what they want to craft and how they get that process started. And as always, apply this to your own craft and it might help you come up with some new interesting stuff. Check the show notes for upcoming events, including the 99-Second Story Slam, which is a virtual event on Sunday evening April 10th, and we are producing a local, in North Carolina, in-person event with some badass storytellers who are converging here in Carbro, North Carolina. They're coming from all over North America, raising funds for Ukrainian refugees. It's going to be an absolutely incredible show. If you're local, I hope you can join us. If not, perhaps you can support us. Okay, Swap Shop, let's dive in.
1: Why I choose the stories I choose, uh, they've been kicking around in my head and I want to get them off my chest. I generally am, um, I, I tell a story about something that uh, has either intrigued me or hurt me.
0: Are there certain stories that as you're searching for them or figuring out what you might want to tell, how do you, how does your brain work? Do you go to certain times in your life? Do you go to certain feelings that you have?
1: I am a uh, complex kettle of fish on that one. I try to write every day. And then on top of that, do a lot of subconscious work. Something might spark uh, a thought. And then I think about it before I go to sleep. And usually throughout the night and in the morning, there's something there. If you get into the discipline of writing daily, then you are looking for stories. And that's how I mind my stories.
2: To me, it's uh, just of the paradox of daily life. Because we're supposed to be having a good time and it's supposed to be easy. But my stories come from when it isn't easy. Because, and when I rake through my life, I just see that every kind of fear and calamity produces a story. And that's why it's kind of frustrating these days because my life has become rather tranquil and not much stuff comes up. I am always curious to see How I felt about it and where it went and where it landed, that's called the arc, the arc of life. And that's how I hope it expresses itself in a story. So how I choose them, I mean, I write every day. I write just to spew out what the inside of my head is. I don't read it. I don't think anyone else could read it because the handwriting is so execrable. But it's in there because I think there's something about from the head onto the page that sets things in a certain way, and then I can release it, kind of a mysterious alchemical process. But in, in, in any case, sometimes I will be looking for, I love prompts, and if I get a prompt, I like to run with it. Sometimes those prompts can be a theme in in a slam, and then I'll take it and see what comes up. It's just, um, it's a whole... Bundle. It's like it, it's like pulling through a button box. Ah, I remember that button. I remember what it fell off of. I love that garment. I hated that garment. Etc.
0: Nishama, I really like that you reference that when your life doesn't feel like a lot is happening and there's a lot of movement, it might be more challenging to at least snag stories from that time. Uh, I think it's doable. I think it might be a little bit more. Take a little more something. I don't know what that something is.
2: Okay, the something is. Is shrinking it down so a tiny experience like frustration with a mattress pad becomes like Matterhorn. You heard that this afternoon, indeed.
0: Other thoughts on how you select stories, how you figure out what you want to tell or craft, Tracy.
3: Like Corey and Nishama said, you pull things from from your everyday life and boil them down into stories. Or take things from prompts, but also when you look around at events going on around you. You see things in the news, you watch movies, you watch television, you hear things and see things that you react to because they bring up feelings or thoughts or memories of things that happened in your life that maybe you haven't thought of in years. And I find that those turn into prompts for stories. All of a sudden, the story that I just told today is something that I've been thinking about for a while, because for a period of time, there seemed to be a lot of wealthy, famous people dying by suicide. And it kept bringing up the question of, they seem to have everything. They were exceptionally wealthy and famous and at the top of their game. And why were they dying by suicide? There was a national conversation about suicide as the is the result of a disease. It's the result of mental illness. You don't not have suicide because you're wealthy. You have suicide because of a a set of, of mental circumstances that are not being cared for. And that's what made me think of that is like, I'm very lucky. Not only did I not have cancer, but I did not have a depression so bad that I tried suicide. These things that are going on in the world around you bring up stories from your own life that you might not have thought of otherwise. And then, yeah, you do a lot of writing, a lot of subconscious work and boil it down to stories.
0: You boil it down to stories. I also wonder if this is a question that's harder for people who rely on the big life events as primarily their only stories or the really exceptional, (laughs) crazy, funny, amazing, different, all potentially great stories, but we don't have typically a ton of them.
3: No, if you're always waiting for like the wedding or the graduation or the vacation, you wind up with like six stories. And then you got to wait for mine and look for the little things.
0: And unless someone's really skilled or maybe really funny or really has a certain skill set, you still got to work those stories. Sometimes the events, even though they seem incredible to you, they don't usually land on us so wonderfully. I know for you, it was really funny or really intense or whomever, but for us as the audience, you got to work this stuff. And it's that same stuff that people here are talking about that help them find and craft stories from little that's moments that make those big moments, little moments too. And then good stories.
3: That's why, yeah, lo- like losing virginity stories are never as, as funny to everyone else as they are to you because it happened to you. They're never as funny to everyone else.
0: Right. Almost nothing's ever as funny to other people as it is to like the primary person, right?
3: You have to be really skilled at that. Correct. You had to be there. You don't want to tell those stories. You had to be their
0: stories. (laughs) If I had to be there, then the story's done. I'm not listening. Isn't a lot of this also about intention, sort of a macro why you're telling stories in the first place, and then also sort of on a little more micro level, why are you trying to find a particular story on this Wednesday? Is it for a story competition? Are you invited to tell a story at a show? That's obviously some part of this.
4: I used to teach art. I had to come up with ideas to help the students to be creative. We used visual-verbal synergy. It was a process. And it's what you hear and what you see. And then I incorporated even what you smell. They'd have to pick one, and then they would have to develop a story or a piece of art surrounding that. And that really worked well for the children. Then they could start emoting and evoking coming up with uh, some kind of art during the pandemic over the last two years you're not using all your senses stuff's not coming into you like it used to so i'm like okay i will go back and do exactly what i did to the children that particular theory that practice that lesson plan
0: hang on so you are using various prompts visual aural from the ear even more you're adding uh smell and taste it sounds like sometimes
1: there's a word that i use that i came across last year and it's called organoleptic and that means of or pertaining to the senses and you can't tell an effective story without bringing the senses in you a sense of color a sense of sound a sense of smell um a sense of taste uh, the sight of things Just a second ago, your podcast was unable to process the idea of a picture of a burger, a picture of a delicious, juicy burger. Now, all of us who are in this Zoom room are able to see that picture and visually process that. Okay. So the eye sees and the brain interprets the same thing with the rest of our smells, right? Or, I mean, with the rest of our senses. We are olfactory senses, the the sense of smell triggers long stored memory we all fall prey to that. Mm. If I smell Obsession by Calvin Klein, whoo-wee, I remember the first time I smelled that on a woman. Oh, have mercy. When we talk about tastes, we can relate to those tastes and all those things and organoleptic approach to that stimulates mirror neurons, which means that you are indexing your experiences To match mine. And if we have connected there, then you are right alongside me as I'm telling you my story based on the senses uh, that I have engaged in this story.
0: The chances of me not using the word organoleptic in the title of this podcast is zero. (laughs) That will be the word that is in the uh, title of this episode. Uh Carolyn, who is newer to storytelling, by no means newer to all things creative and
4: well, what I'm learning about my own process at the beginning of this new adventure is that um free writing, you know, just loose stream of consciousness writing every morning. There's a book called The Artist's Way that I have looked at. And that that woman recommends something called morning pages, where you write three pages, you don't yep. even read them. But it loosens everything up. So what I'm learning is that my stories come mostly from somewhere inside. And like Corey, I'll like wake up in the middle of the night. And you know, I don't want to use the word haunted. That feels over dramatic. But I, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night with these ideas that maybe started with something I wrote in the morning. Then Nishama used the word curious. And I like that word too. I get freaked out by the word creative because I don't think I am creative, but I am curious. And so I get curious about what's going on. Why am I not letting go of that event that happened in my life? Or why, you know, what does that say? What is that saying about me? And whatever it's saying about me, I get more and more curious about what's really happening. And it's one of the reasons I love this group is because in feedback, people ask you to go deeper, you know, like, wow, well, I don't understand. Why did you want to play the piano? I'm <laughs> like, I don't know the I don't fucking know, but then I have to think why I did. So curiosity, and then then I I try to figure out if I had this feeling of being trapped in a marriage, to take an example. Other people probably have too. I can't be the only person in geologic time that has felt trapped in a marriage. You know, I try to identify what might be universal that could connect with an audience. And so that's what I'm discovering about my style as I enter this new adventure of telling stories.
0: Thank you, Carolyn. By the way, Nishama, don't you have a dear friend of yours who is a big time writer on creativity and writing? What's her name again?
2: And Lamotte, and he wrote, you know, bird by bird.
0: Does that book cover or discuss at all the idea of process or creativity? It's or-
2: all about process and creativity, and but mostly, mostly about us, uh, as I remember correctly, because it's been so long. Um, shitty first drafts. Just keep Mm. putting them out, putting them out, spewing them out, and then gradually things take shape. But if you start to edit yourself before you even start to think and feel, you're going to be screwed.
0: For me, it's similar to what Carolyn was saying about curiosity. Like something happened and I felt a certain way and I'm maybe not clear on. There's just some feeling. I want to explore that. That's the reason why I would be like, yeah, that's the story i want to start and then to connect that to what nishama just said interestingly i find that once i get to a point i start talking it out a lot once i get over the hump and that might take an hour or two or way more it starts to take shape in a new form and i think that's part of how my brain works with loosening up a little bit and not editing and just letting it flow like i've got the idea of it i think i know where it might End or how, but the other stuff, and it just starts to. So, that's not the, really the original question around how I selected. But
1: once you've given it life and given it three dimensions, then you can turn around and look at it from a number of different perspectives. If you're editing it while you're doing it, you're screwing it over because you're calcifying mm-hmm. it. If you just give it life and let it breathe for a little while and then start spinning it, all of a sudden you're going to start to see different angles that you never saw before, turn the jet right. 90 degrees, turn it to get another 90 degrees.
0: That's why I think in these groups and other groups, whether it's story or other stuff, unless someone's very clear on like, look, I wanna get my ending stronger, I want it to be funny, help me find the humor, that's pretty specific. But when someone's like earlier in the process, I think we help them most by asking those bigger questions and letting that just move around and letting them play with it and then getting more narrow
2: in many respects and this is also the paradox of storytelling the more specific you are the more weirdly universal it gets it needs all those points to go boing 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 and you don't have to think of the overarching because we the listener will do the overarch for you Boom. you don't get hung up on that
0: mm, go small and then you go big like by going small you get it big
1: you have these big events and people waiting for the big event. We have far more little events in common than we do these big events. And our day-to-day little events are the things that we fill our lives with. And whatever meaning that we can assign to those little events is the thing that binds us together.
0: All of us have struggled with that damn bed sheet, right?
3: It's also the natural tendency of people to find how this is about them. They all will find the way to relate what you're talking about to their lives. So even in the smallest, most detailed thing that you're talking about, they can see themselves in it. They want to see themselves in it.
0: And I think they don't even have a choice, right? It's what we do. It's just what we do.
2: You said the what we do, it, but it's the why we do. Back to the why. We want to desperately feel connection with, uh, yeah. with the world out there and everyone else. And ourselves, somehow telling yourself your own story is an incredible ground.
0: Not to be dramatic here, but desperate is the right word. Yeah. If organoleptic isn't the right word, then desperate is the right word. (laughs) But they can share (laughs) the stage. If it wasn't clear enough, this podcast never has like words of the day or word of the episode until today, until this episode. It might be a trend. It may not. There may be a hashtag. There may not. It is organoleptic, and if you don't know what it means, look it up. Use the organolepticness, organolepticness. Just figure out what it means exactly. Try to apply it in your stories, and if you're confused, contact Corey Thomas May. He lives in Iowa. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. Special thanks to select members of Friday's Swap Shop. Appreciate all of your insight. Check the show notes for upcoming events, including the 99 Second Story Slam and Slava Ukraini, our fundraiser to help Ukrainian refugees. Please support us if you can. Another way you can help us, if you wouldn't mind, is to leave a review and or rating on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you listen. Let folks know about the podcast and uh, share it on social media. We really would appreciate that. And that is all for episode number 75. Boom.